Welcome in. Happy Tuesday morning. Reese's is the subject of this next conversation. It is not yet a lawsuit. It is being looked at to see if this contest that Reese's ran um, might be in violation of federal laws. It's it's kind of a circle here. It's like chicken or the egg is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Because of what you have to do to be able to win what they're offering. <laughs> and it's so funny. There was there was a bit many, many years ago by the comedian Gallagher where he was talking about some of the weirdnesses in the English language and, you know, speech that, that seems to contradict itself. And one of the examples he brought up was no purchase necessary, details inside. Yeah. That's exactly what Reese's did with his $25,000 giveaway that got them in trouble. So uh, bear with us here for a second because because it yeah it's details inside but what okay so the outside of the two cup packages says you could win twenty five thousand dollars and like john said in smaller print it says see details inside when you buy the package and open it to see what those details are the small print says no purchase is necessary to enter the sweepstakes but you have to buy the thing and open it in order to know that no purchase is necessary. Oh. One of the other problems, aside from that just being funny, is that state law says um, in sweepstakes like that, you can't require a purchase to have to have a game like that. That's actually federal law. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, it, I thought it was state law too. State, state law does, but yeah, there's a federal law against that because as soon as you charge somebody money, to enter a sweepstakes, con a sweepstakes contest, it's not a sweepstakes anymore. It's now a lottery because that's what oh. you're doing. You're making them buy a lottery ticket effectively, even though that lottery ticket is a Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. Any purchase that you have to make it automatically qualifies it as a lottery. What they're trying to do, and, and see, first of all, they're lawyers. How, I mean, I'm assuming that the company that makes Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups probably has a couple of lawyers on staff. You mean Hershey? Yeah, Hershey, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and how they didn't notice, I couldn't remember if it was them or Mars, uh, but how they didn't notice that, and the only thing that you would have to do to, that would forestall all of this is put a web address on there. On the, oh, on yeah. The, print it on the outside yeah. of the package. So you don't have to open for, it. For details, see www.hershey's.com slash Reese's, whatever. And they would have been fine. But as soon as they put the details inside and made you buy the peanut butter cup to be able to read them, then they ended up in, viol in likely violation of the law. So apparently Reese's ran a similar promotion earlier this year that ended in April using the same packaging. And some of those packages are still for sale, even though the sweepstakes code doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm sure Hershey's going to say, well, you didn't catch it last time. Yeah. You know, we did, we did it once. It was okay then. So what's wrong with it this time? Right. And that's, I mean, that's likely what they're going to try. That's not a defense to say, well, I, I got away with robbing a bank once. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> you, know, right. you still can't do it the next time. The, the violation depends on them catching you. Uh, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how this one comes out and how they decide to defend it. Because when when you put that in the package, I mean, clearly the, the point of running a sweepstakes like that is to sell more peanut butter cups. Yeah. So that's what they were trying to do, and they didn't give you any way to notice. They they also they probably could have um, 
in addition to putting something like a web address on the outside of the packaging, they probably could have written no purchase necessary on the outside. Yeah. But at that point, then it's still incumbent on you to, to go research. All right. How do I find what the details are? How do I find out that I qualify for this without going ahead and buying the peanut butter cup? So really, that's what they should have done is they should have just instead of see details inside, which really may hang them here. I think they should have just put a web address. So Hershey's has not commented, which is probably smart at this point, because you don't know if you broke the law yet. Yep. So I wouldn't say that you haven't. Who does this go to? What? Because you're right. There are a ton of agencies. Federal Trade Commission, FCC, Postal Service. Yeah. All have that. It's it's a law that's governed by many agencies. Is it the FTC? If they'll probably that gets take this if, complaint. If, yeah, if I had a guess, they'll probably take the lead on it. Um, the Postal Service is an interesting one. I'm not sure exactly how they would be involved, although because they, uh, according to the article, they uh, they govern mail-in sweepstakes mm-hmm. offers. So they Which may says have, the same thing. Yeah, they may no have some, uh, you know, some kind of um, almost like a, a friend of the court kind of role in this. Mm-hmm. where the, you know, they can lend some information about how that sort of thing is governed. But, yeah, it seems like the F- FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is going to be the lead agency on this one. Moving on to what was a lawsuit and uh, is, didn't go the way that you would have expected here, <laughs> uh, a financial analyst who was fired by Citibank for allegedly lying about some expenses filed a wrongful dismissal lawsuit and lost it. Yep. The the court ruled in favor of Citibank. Yeah, what what this guy was doing was uh he was traveling for business. And when you travel for business, this this is kind of an interesting case because when you travel for business, you get a per diem um or you get an expense account. And their expense account guaranteed him 100 was 100 euros a day which is like 85 pounds. He's in Great Britain, so they kind of did the conversion there. But it's about 100 euros a day uh, to go out and feed himself and do whatever else, you know, whatever else is required to keep a human being alive while you're out on the road. Um, And he used that. He didn't use all of it, but he used most of it. And they came back to him and said, wait a minute. This says when you went out to lunch, you got two coffees and two sandwiches. We're paying for your food while you're traveling for business, not somebody else. What are you doing buying more than one lunch? And he, so he was asked about it. And yeah, this will be very interesting. I wish, yeah. Court documents say he was asked about it. And he said he had checked the receipt and didn't see anything out of order. He said, I was on the business trip by myself and I ordered two coffees because they were very small and I wanted more than than one small coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, later, he admitted that his partner, who does not work for Citibank, was on the trip with him and shared the meals with him. Yeah. But he was under the limit for the per diem. And it's a question of, did they specify that that per diem has to be spent on you or you just can't go over the 100? Right, because if they're going to put a dollar limit on it, I mean, they don't want you going out to some steakhouse and buying a you know $150 meal or something like that just to, to feed yourself. It's just there for you to be able to sustain. So, uh, yeah, if, if they had some kind of provision against it, I think where this guy really screwed up is lying about it. 
That's what the court said, too. Yeah. That's um, what the employment judge said. And where, you know, his excuse, and it was pretty easy to catch, too. He initially started acting kind of belligerent toward them, going, why are you forcing me to justify this? I was under the per diem. And then they really started to investigate because they found out that not only he about the sandwiches, he said, well, yeah, I bought one for lunch and it was really good. So I bought another one to take back to the hotel with me to eat it later. And then they said, OK, but why did you buy two dinners, too? Yeah. Why did you keep buying two of everything? <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you were holding the other sandwich for dinner, why did you then buy two more dinners? So finally, yeah, he had to admit it. And I think that, uh, yeah, that's where he really screwed up. But it is a good question. If they tell you this is for you and they give you that dollar amount, should you pay more attention to the this is for you part and you alone? Or should you say, look, I was under the dollar amount. I'm still okay. For those of you who have got who have benefited from if you travel for work and you've gotten the per diem, are you clear on that distinction? Does your company make the distinction between you can just spend the whole amount or it only has to be on you? So they fired him. And and like you said, the judge here said it, it wasn't about the dollar amount. It was about the dishonesty. Yeah. It was about that he lied about it initially. And he tried to blame, like, I'm having personal issues and I'm taking some medications and that's why I reacted the way that I did. Sure. Okay. That's why I bought my wife lunch. Oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, right. But, yeah, the 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 dishonesty and the cover-up about it. I wonder if, if they had said, hey, did you buy all this extra food for you or was this for somebody else? If he had just told them, yeah, my wife was traveling with me. Uh, I didn't know that was a, a bad thing because I still stayed under your dollar amount. So... They likely would have said, okay, but don't do that again. It's not for her. It's for you. Uh, still don't go over the dollar amount. I mean, you can you can eat 100 pounds or 100 euros worth of food, mm -hmm. but just make sure it's you eating it. They probably wouldn't have fired him over it. I am surprised that they looked so carefully at what he ordered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... That they looked at it that closely. I don't know if they assumed he's one guy, he's only going to spend 50 a day, and they thought, wow, he's spending close to that $100 limit every day. I can't believe they looked specifically at what he ordered every day. It makes you wonder if there's an auditor that just doesn't like that guy very much. Right. And, or if it's a really that, small company. Uh-huh. Yeah, that could be, too, that they're just very cost conscious of anything. And if you can get by on 50 bucks a day, don't spend 100 um, whatever it may be. But yeah, when, when he said, when he was dishonest about it and then eventually came clean, the, the, uh, cause by the way, that they used to fire him was gross misconduct, which yeah. goes exactly to lying to your boss. Somebody in the text line said, I've known a couple of people who get the difference between what they spent and what the per diem is if they don't spend it all. Oh, that's nice. I, I've known that to happen too. Yeah. I've had friends come to town and say, yeah, if I don't spend it all, I get to keep it. They so just, there's motivation there. To not go nuts. Yeah, go eat on the cheap, really. Go buy yeah. yourself a lean cuisine or whatever and just keep the 97 bucks. Uh-huh. 913-586-7798. Let's go to Justin and Casey North. Hey, Justin. Hey, I, um, <laughs> I'm not going to say where I work or anything, but we have a budget, and if you don't spend it, you're going to lose it next year. So, in my opinion, you just... Find a way to spend your per diem the best you can. Obviously, don't be frivolous, but don't lose it next year. You know, that's an excellent point. I know so many businesses that do that with, like, CapEx expenses where they'll say, well, yeah, we've got to go out and buy a bunch of stupid stuff now because if we don't buy this, then we're going to get our budget cut next year. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I 
I work for a not-for-profit, and so, you know, that doesn't sound good, but at the same time, you don't want to show profits at the end of the year, so you need to show expenses in certain ways, and if you can expense that out in dinners or per diems or whatever it is, then do it. Do you think it should be a problem, though, if he's buying food for him and his wife, or should it matter? Why why shouldn't she be able to travel with him if her job allows it to? Do they does she have a per diem? Do we know if it was the wife? It Oh, you know good it, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really might have been a girlfriend. I'm asking John, do you do you know cuz I, I don't I, I thought I had seen that in the article. Was it not? Uh He said his partner. Oh, yeah. But I don't okay. know. I guess it could have been like a business it could have been I read it as a romantic part cuz a business partner I mean to Justin's point would have had his yeah. own per diem so they wouldn't have had to worry about it. And you get into a lot of tax weird spots there, right? Yeah. If you're not married and you're just a partner or whatever. I don't know. I I just say you got a per DM. Use get it. it spent and you don't, it. like, you know, you're not doing anything bad. Well That's said. The company gave you. All right. Justin, thanks. Um, thanks, Justin. Yeah. I, unless they have something written. I mean, unless they have a hard and fast rule that says your per diem is for you, period. Don't spend money on anybody else. Don't go buying gifts for your kids. This is for you to sustain while you're out on the road. Then, yeah, I mean, to a texter's point, go have lobster for lunch. You know, yeah. make sure you use it, but let your wife or your partner or whoever buy uh, buy their own food. Someone on the text line said, you are the employee. Unless they say otherwise, it is for you alone. Like that's 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 how you should take it is that it's only for you. I see Justin's point too, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's money they gave you. Why shouldn't right. you have a little discretion to you know buy somebody an ice cream cone if you really want to? <laughs> if you have thoughts here, nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Feel free to get in. Still to come this hour, we haven't had one of these in a little bit, but it's happened again. We have a woman declared dead, not dead. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. So we're talking about Citibank, and um, an employment judge has said Citibank had the right to fire an employee who was given a per diem on a business trip, and then he used it not just for himself, but for he and a partner traveling with him. So in that case, uh, even though it was he was still under budget, under what they allotted him, should he have a case here that, you know, it, it, as long as they say you need to stay under this amount and I stay under this amount, shouldn't I be covered no matter whom I'm buying, you know, the the, uh, the the lunches and dinners for? We'll go to Don in Platte County and see what he's got to add in. Hey, Don. Hey, good morning. Morning. Uh, yeah, my thought was that this guy may have been kind of targeted. Maybe they had a previous history with this guy, and they were looking for some way to nail him, and so they went to the letter of the law to get him. It kind of sounds that way. I, I, I have that same sneaking suspicion. This guy made somebody mad at some point. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't know, though. I mean, how closely do companies, especially one the size of Citibank, usually keep track of things like that? Yeah, I, do, I don't. I don't think they follow it very close, unless they really have a reason to investigate somebody. Okay. All right. Uh, Dom, thanks. Yeah, it it may be um, that they were were looking to get rid of him, and they found a reason. Uh, And then they got another reason when he went ahead and lied to him over the whole thing. So the other thing that's going to happen here, I presume, is that any other employee who's been been given that per diem, um, number one, I'd be curious to know if they fired anybody else for like is is there a precedent that's been set for them getting other people in trouble when they've done it i'm also curious is this the first time they've checked 
Because <laughs> <Yeah>. if it is. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, they, that's a little harder to explain because, yeah, why well, did you. And it go- points to the argument that you guys made. Right. Yeah. Why did you go after a guy who was under budget instead of only looking at people who went over? Um, yeah. It, it's, but either way, he made the ultimate mistake. And yeah, the judge said, you lied about it. So sorry. I mean, because if they say lying to your boss is gross work misconduct, I can see most companies saying, yeah, you lie to me about what you did. And all of a sudden, you're, you're going to find yourself out the door real quick. And then it was easy yeah. for him because he lied. Yep. So it did. It wasn't about what he did anymore. It's the fact that he lied about it. Uh, let's wrap this up with Jim in Olathe. Hello, Jim. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I work for two companies. One's local. One is out of state um, doing storm restoration and everything. And I get it per diem per day with the one that's out of state. They don't care what I spend it on as long as it's food. And if I want to buy me two meals versus one, as long as I don't go over that amount, they'll cover that full amount. Uh, the other company is the same way. I get a certain amount, and it's per meal. So, And I'm entitled to a meal on the second company every six hours that I'm working uh, past my normal eight. That's interesting. And they don't care as long as I have a receipt, and it is for food. And they take it down to that level of watching every single meal and making sure you don't go over 30 bucks or whatever it is that they give you. That's funny. Uh, Wow. So, yeah, different companies keep different track. Jim, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, That's granular. Right. And which makes me wonder, do you have that many people that are abusing it? that you feel like you have to, like you and I have been going back and forth about the things that we know, oh. the companies that we work for, worked, <laughs> have worked for. Thank you. Between yes. the two of us, we've worked for a lot of them. In the past, yeah. In the past. Um, but, the th- but the things that money has been wasted on. Oh, yeah. It, by the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, and and they... I mean, I don't I don't pretend to understand how a company's budget works. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there's different baskets and things like that, but why? I mean, it's just so maddening, especially when you're working for a company that's you know, this multinational corporate conglomerate. And they'll go out and buy hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of computers and furniture that they do not need. But you go up and ask for a $5,000 raise and they laugh in your face. And it's like, guys, guys, time out. Well, that's, that's a different budget. That's our CapEx budget that's not our big you know it's like really you have the money to which i say it's not city government city government (laughs) i hate to bring the airport into this but i will for half a second yeah the argument that people kept making about the airport is um like well don't use that money for kci use that money for roads no no no. not all money can be used for all things yes but in companies you make even public ones you make the rules yeah you decide that yeah. Sure. Now, maybe you don't want to ask your bosses. I think that's what a lot of it is sometimes. The decisions about spending stuff are made above you. But if somebody comes to you wanting more money, you don't want to rattle the cage upstairs. Right. And nobody wants to be the one to have their department lose the money. It's all right. these little fiefdoms. And they're all like, no, 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 I've got to keep all of mine. Well, and, and the previous caller was right. If they don't spend every dime that's in that budget for this year, they're going to get cut by 30% next year. And the, the logic is, well, what happens if they cut my budget by 30% next year? And then I find out there's something we really need. I, yeah, it, it's maddening that you couldn't then go back and say, okay, this is why and justify it. Yes, but you're right. I don't presume to know how budgets work either, but sometimes you see the waste and go, really? <laughs> that was necessary <laughs> for us to have? Yes. Somebody decided that? 
Um, we, we have Dallas and Belton online who apparently has some insight into why all of this happens and why those of us who are just regular human beings cannot for the life of us understand it. Hey, Dallas. Hello. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Great. Welcome in. So I'm wondering if the the difference is that between per diem and an expense account, because I worked construction for a long time on the road and I got a per diem, which was an addendum to my check. You know, this is just your extra living expenses. I could do whatever with it I wanted. It could go into my savings account. Oh, I could do nice. whatever I wanted with that. Yeah. I've also worked on the corporate side of things where I had an expense account and the expense account was definitely held under scrutiny by my employer. So if I, you know, took someone out to dinner, if it wasn't something that was a business related um, expense, then I would definitely be held accountable for that. Yeah. It's got to be a client dinner or something like that. So now were there limits on your expense account? Not normally. Okay. I mean, as long as as long as everything was um, was reasonable, right? You know, they 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 expected me to have the responsibility to not go. Hey, I'm going to get a five thousand dollar hotel suite for this day. <laughs> you know, be nice, so but yeah, it would. Yeah, it would be nice, and you know, but yeah, then no, they expected me to have a certain amount of responsibility when when I was using their expenses and. So I wonder if maybe that's where the difference lies. Yeah, it could very well be. And the fact that these did have limits on them. Dallas, thank you. Um, Yeah, he's right. I mean, there isn't a difference between an expense account and a per diem, but uh, they seem to treat it a little bit more like a per diem because they had a dollar, a fixed dollar amount that you could not go over. Right. All right. Thanks to everybody for getting in. Uh, All right. Coming up, you think you pay a lot for parking? Wait till you find out what they're paying in New York now. Still to come here on KMBZ. Phone number 913-586-7798. All right, we've had this happen again where you have a patient declared dead who's not dead. Now that person's actually died for real, for real, for real this time. What makes this one different is how young the patient was. Yeah, uh, just in her 50s. And uh, she was declared dead by paramedics. Then they found out uh, when uh, she was at the, I guess she was at the hospital when she, quote, woke up. Uh, Yeah, she was taken to Darlington Memorial Hospital. And her identity has not been revealed, but they did say that she did, in fact, die shortly afterward. But you're right. I mean, uh, you hope that the paramedic that's working on you is going to keep working until they know. Well, and I don't know how things work in the U.K. compared to how they work here. We've had lengthy conversations about who um has the authority to declare death and whether it should be at the hospital and paramedics not being qualified but here's a line in the story i don't like the parent this was from the company that the paramedics work for the paramedics on scene were faced with a complex clinical case and we're trying to figure out what happened uh-huh. well then maybe the paramedics aren't the ones that should be declaring death if it was a complex clinical case. Yeah. I don't think paramedics are supposed to deal with complex clinical cases, are they? If, well, uh, I mean, you have to you have to deal with it somehow, but it seems like, I guess to your point, what you would hope is if it's a complex case like that, that when they get to you, their first job is get you to the hospital. Do you right. know, don't do anything and yeah, certainly don't make a death declaration until you know for sure. Um, the, the line that stuck out to me 
was when they said that police in Durham, they said the patient who was in her 50s woke up after being taken to the hospital, according to local reports. However, Durham police today confirmed the woman's death, saying it was unexpected. What? Unexpected? You declared her dead just a few hours ago. Is it (laughs) really unexpected when she dies for real? Yeah, she was sick enough that you thought she was already dead. Uh So, um, yeah, there's a lot we don't know about this. We don't know if the paramedics, because they'd already declared her dead, took their sweet time then getting her to the hospital. And if that would have made a difference, which I guarantee you is something her family is looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, If, you know, if it took them an hour, frankly, if it took them 30 minutes, that could have made the difference than if if they hurried and got there. And we don't know how long it took Unless you see the, oh, let's see. She was declared dead on Friday. I just saw it. And then died, died, like for real died yesterday. Yeah. So it took a couple of days. Well, and and here's another line out of this one that should give you pause. According to the Daily Mail, it's not clear when the woman died. That is in there. (laughs) It's like, what? Does anybody have any idea what's going on with this case? Because wouldn't you also hope? That if you had been declared dead because the paramedics made a mistake, that you get to the hospital and you wake up, that they start working on you right then. And it's like, okay, let's figure out what happened here and make sure that this doesn't, you know, that she doesn't die again. I mean, they can't stay with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but it seems like that would be a pretty uh, high priority case. Aren't there a lot of monitors hooked up to you when you're in the hospital? Last time I was there, there sure and- were. Don't they usually connect to a nurse's station so yep. that one of them goes flatline, an alarm goes off somewhere? Yeah. Um, now, just because the Daily Mail doesn't know when she died, that doesn't Correct. necessarily mean the doctors don't know when she died. But it seems like that's a pretty important piece of the of the puzzle. Yeah. How long was she, I guess, to use the term, back alive before she died for real? And the fact that they still don't have, they, they don't know why. They don't. They don't list a cause of death. They don't know mm-hmm. why she died again. And I, I mean, I'm sure there's only so much information they can give out about what it was, whatever the complex health issue she was dealing with was. Yeah. But still, she's dead now. I mean, it's not like they're going to embarrass her. Yes. Um, I await the lawsuit yeah. filed by her family on this one. Big because time. There will, there will be many, many figures on that one when that uh, suit comes out. All right, uh, let's see. We'll stay in that part of the world uh, with the story about the Tesla. Again, I'm, we're not picking on Tesla. It, it just, it volunteers itself for these. Oh, yes. Couple has a Tesla. They drive their Tesla. They go out to lunch. They get out. They go back into their Tesla. It doesn't work at all. Unresponsive completely. Paramedics declared it dead. So uh, they, they, they took the Tesla in, and they gave it a workover, and they found out that it was, in fact, the battery. Okay. Then they told the couple, yeah, uh, see, the reason your battery pack died is because water got into it. And the couple said, well, gee, how'd that happen? <laughs> and they said, well, uh, was it submerged? And the couple said, well, no, no. <laughs> drive we, it into a lake? Yeah. In fact, they, 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 they mentioned a very swampy area of Scotland, which is where this happened. Uh, they, they said, it's not like we drove it. It would be akin to saying, it's not like we drove it through the Louisiana swamps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, so Tesla came back and said, well, um, it must have been raining 
And they said, yeah, yeah, well, it's Scotland. It does that here. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they decided that there is no warranty claim and handed the couple a bill for $17,000 to replace the battery pack and fix the problem. Okay. So I'm going to come back to words again. Mm-hmm. Was there information given to this couple explicitly saying you got to keep the the battery dry no that's Um, the problem yeah and why rain or you know just regular city driving in puddles Uh and things like that why that would be the thing that causes the battery pack to die to the tune of seventeen thousand dollars um how do you drive a car and not ever drive in the rain do you mean in that particular car? In any car, yeah, right. I mean, but that one in particular, because it seems like uh, because the what what Tesla is relying on here is you did something to make this happen. You drove right. that car in the rain, water got in, and it blew the battery pack. So it's your fault. It's not our fault. Um, no, it's your fault for building a car with a battery pack that could get wet by driving it in the rain. Man, um, I guess this is where you have to read your warranty carefully. Oh, yeah. To know what it covers. And you better believe. Most of us, when we buy a car, assume for a while, a little while after we buy that car, it's going to be covered under the warranty. Sure. I think mine even had like a 30-day return policy. (laughs) Like they even said, you know, drive it for 30 days and, and... if you don't like it, we'll take it back. Yeah, and this is also, this is not unprecedented. As a matter of fact, uh, and I'll tell this story as quickly as possible. In 1980, my mom bought a brand new 280ZX Turbo from what was at the time Datsun. It's now Nissan. She bought this car, and something similar happened to it. Of course, it wasn't an electric car, but it was a turbo. And they put the turbo scoop under the engine. So if you drove through a puddle, it would suck water into the turbo and dump it right into the engine, which bends connecting rods because you can't compress a liquid. Okay. And that's what happened. So they initially denied her warranty claim, saying that she abused the car by driving it in the rain in Florida. So she asked them, if driving the car in the rain is abuse, why did you put windshield wipers on it? (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the the kind of things that they try to squirrel out of warranties, driving in regular conditions should never be constitute, uh, it should never constitute abuse, and it should be paid for under warranty. Um, What would surprise me, and what kind of already does surprise me about this, is that they haven't issued a recall to fix wherever the leak is coming from. Yes. Um, Boy, they're also complaining about the customer service with Tesla, which doesn't shock me at all (laughs) based on what we hear about Tesla. And you just, I I look at this and go, man, for $17,000, get a lawyer. Definitely. For 17 grand, this is where that that's enough money that you get a lawyer to handle this one. Right. And 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 they said that uh they're still Tesla is still demanding that they pay I said dollars it's it's actually pounds which will make it a little bit more than that. 17,374 pounds claiming no fault on their part. So Tesla is saying we didn't do anything wrong. And again, back to your point and they said this, if you can't drive this car when it rains, 
why did you sell it to us in a place that gets a lot of rain? Yeah, they should you never. Know? They don't sell them in England. Don't sell them in Scotland. Don't sell them in you know the, in the Brazilian rainforest. Forget it. You if you can't drive the car in the rain, don't do that. Then, yeah, get a lawyer. Get a lawyer to go after this and and get your money. Now, in the meantime, they don't have a car. In the meantime, the Tesla's yeah. sitting at the shop waiting for the $17,000 or pounds in repairs. All right, then we go to New York. Um, for If anyone knows what our parking meters cost, it's been a while since I've had to park at one, uh, but let us know. Parking rates are up in Manhattan by a lot. <laughs> Last time I used a parking meter that actually took quarters, it was, <laughs> it was a half an hour per quarter. So, okay. you know, I think with a two hour limit, this was back in St. Louis, but uh, yeah, so that that's about, you know, generally what we're talking about. I'm sure in this area, you're going to have some places that are more expensive than others, but in New York, it's all regulated by the city. So if there's going to be a raise in parking rates, the city has to approve that. Um, and, and so for every district in New York, there, there is no difference from one to the other. It's all the same. What they have now approved is a parking increase in midtown manhattan that will take the parking meters up to five dollars and fifty cents an hour okay let's do math Uh uh-huh on if you need if you work an eight-hour day and your company doesn't provide a garage and you have to do street parking let's do 550 times is it is it 2080 hours a year most yes people work uh, i think that, 40 yeah. hours a week right yeah i did it by all year you know what it, okay. what, what it would cost you over a month if you just left it there for an entire month i didn't do the eight hour oh, day okay but i can i can do that real quick uh and what i figured is if you have to leave it at that meter for an entire month four grand just shy of four thousand dollars to park that car that's a mortgage payment so in fact that's a really nice mortgage payment around here a couple of you have said that downtown here downtown kansas city uh that quarter will get you 15 minutes so it's a buck an hour so five and a half times that let me do it by the eight hour day so it's 5.5 times eight times uh times five so yeah that's 220 bucks that can't be right. What did you figure? Two hundred and twenty bucks a week. If you're parking it for so an, times fifty two, uh, right? Times fifty two uh, would be uh, eleven thousand four hundred and forty dollars a year if you're parking for an eight hour day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it would be cheaper to just buy a parking spot somewhere. Yes. Or Uber. That's where I. That's where I would go. Are there cheaper? Op- you hear about people that. Um, this happens a lot on the East Coast sometimes. People will, if they live in one place and work in another, it's cheaper for them to fly. Yeah. Like take take a take a plane, especially if you work somewhere else on the East Coast and you and live in D.C. or something like that. It's cheaper to just fly. And just do that. It, right, and you, and you take air miles into account, all the rebates and stuff you get for that, and it's even more so in your favor to go ahead and do that. In New York, it's no mystery why most people who live in New York do not have cars. They just don't because what are you going to go through that expense for? And the trains go absolutely everywhere. So... It's it's not worth the expense. Eleven thousand dollars a year—that's crazy, unbelievable. Uh, find another way to do it. All right. Uh, before we wrap the hour here, uh, we have a couple of sumo wrestlers that needed to board an airplane. <laughs> it was a little more complicated than that. Yep. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Okay, I looked up a list of the heaviest sumo wrestlers to see how much they weighed, mm-hmm. to know how much weight we're talking about here. Yep. 
Uh, the third heaviest sumo wrestler is from Japan. The second heaviest is from Hawaii. Uh, so the third heaviest in Japan is 611 pounds. Oh, wow. That's a big boy. They have, in fact, they've got many out of the top 10 from 500 to over 600 pounds. So now you know what we're dealing with when you have a group of sumo wrestlers that need to fly to a big competition that they're going to be in. And Japan Airlines, which is the big airline out of Japan, didn't think about how much weight that was going to be to calculate whether they'd have enough fuel to get the plane to where it needed to go. And with very late notice, they realized, uh oh, we can't do this with two planes. Yeah, uh, here's what I think is funny about this. They said the, and now you you were talking about the heaviest sumo wrestlers. They said the average weight of the sumo wrestlers involved was around 265 pounds. Oh, far more. <laughs> yeah, right. Far more, they say, than the average passenger weight of around 150 pounds. You want to know the difference between Japan and here? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I mean, not here. they're looking at a 265-pound dude, which, by the way, I was not that long ago, going, dude! <laughs> you could have been a sumo wrestler. Yeah, really, no kidding. Um, I, I think I'm a little too tall. But, they, yeah, they, uh, they there were 460 of them that were taking part in this competition, and they were trying to get 460 sumo wrestlers on two airplanes. And, and not only two airplanes, two 737s, because where they were trying to land, that's the largest plane that they can accommodate. It's Anami Oshima Island Airport. And they said the largest plane they can accommodate there is a 737. So they said, yeah, uh, we're going to have to go back and get some more planes. Okay, I'm doing the math on pounds to kilograms. What they thought was, what what they figured it for was that um, they estimated the sumo wrestlers would weigh an average of, what you said, 120 kilograms. Oh, no, 120 kilograms. Yeah, that's about 264 pounds. pounds. Yeah. Well, here's how this reads. Um, the passenger list included sumo wrestlers whom they estimated weighed an average of 120 kilograms. Oh, duh, what you just said, far more than the average, which is 150 pounds. Yeah. I thought they... they they undercalculated what they thought sumo wrestlers weighed. Oh, no. I see. Yeah. No, they, they they got the right weight. And then that's when they looked at the manifest and went, this plane's never going to get off the ground <laughs> with, I, I mean, if you split them up evenly, that means you've got 230, uh, 265 pound guys on each plane. And they just said, yeah, there's no way. This is not going to happen. These planes, it's going to be dangerous to fly at that point. It's, um, man, I don't know how airplanes, that's a really complicated dance where airlines have to figure out how much fuel they can carry based on how many passengers they've got. And sure. if you've ever been on a flight that was not empty, but almost empty, they will tell you they need you to sit in certain parts of the plane to keep the weight balanced um, on board. I'm trying to figure out if there's any way they could have known ahead of time that the names on their manifest were sumo wrestlers. Yeah, did they when when they booked the flights? Did mm -hmm. the company that runs the sumo wrestling, uh, the the special national sports festival in Osaka, did they call the airline and said, "Hey, you know, we've got a bunch of people that are going to be flying on your plane, but they're all sumo wrestlers. Can you do that?" Yeah, they should have maybe let them know. So they added a flight. They added a flight to get the extra ones there, and then they had a third. They added a third flight for when they were going to come back <laughs> to separate them up. I just, yeah. What do you think the airplane meals look like on their on their way to Osaka? Um, <laughs> do you think they got a little something extra in there? You know, Japan Airlines is pretty good and has pretty good service. Uh, the one time I took them, but what's 
what they consider to be a snack yeah. is probably a meal for us. So, your, yeah, your, I don't know. Your in-flight meal today will be a side of beef for each of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make sure that, you know, they don't start chewing on the walls of the plane. Uh, and Stephen Colbert, apparently we found out last night. Um, yeah. Man, they just go back on the air after the rider strike. They just get back. And now he has COVID. Yeah. Uh, here's the hilarious part about this. So he did the show from home last night, uh, had Jada Pinkett Smith on via Zoom. And he even made the joke and said, you know, this is like, this is exactly like going back to April of 2020. That yeah. When he was doing the show from home, you know, and, and doing the thing over Zoom. Um, it was a good show. But yeah, he mentioned the fact that he got it, he thinks, because he and, he and his wife went out over the weekend to see the Taylor Swift movie. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what he said? Uh-huh. Wow. And he said the theater was packed, and he started to feel sick shortly afterward. He's doing okay, they said. Yeah. So He seemed fine. I mean, a little stuffy maybe, but yeah, he, he'll be fine, and, uh, and the show goes on. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up in the next hour, we have a new hottest pepper in the Guinness Book. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ.